Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday. I hope you all had a wonderful Valentine's Day, and I hope you all felt the love. And speaking of love, we're doing all romance in February, so I'm super excited to have one of my friends on today, Reese Ryan. She is so fantastic, and I can't wait for you guys to meet her. If you haven't read Reese yet, you're in for a huge treat. She writes some contemporary romances that are so going to steal your heart. But anyway, I'll read her bio here so you can get to know her. Reese Ryan is the author of 20 published works of romantic fiction. Actually, I think it's more than that now and counting. Her stories feature a cast of flawed, complex characters. She presents her characters with family and career drama, challenging love interests, and life-changing secrets while treating readers to an emotional love story with unexpected twists. My fave. Anyway, Reese is an advocate for the romance genre and diversity in fiction. She is the past president of her local RWA chapter and a panelist at the 2017 LA Times Festival of Books and the 2018 Donna Hill Breakout Author. Uh, For the latest news and sneak peeks into her books, I did put a link to join her newsletter right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live or if you're listening later, click that and join her newsletter. You'll get all kinds of cool things and freebies. And also I put a link to her website so you can click that. It's very pretty and you can check out all the things she has coming up. And also for writers, I think there was a little section there. Um, Reese also does uh, workshops and that kind of thing. So be sure to check it out. And I don't want to delay any further. Reese, are you there? I am. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you could come on. I was so excited for today. You have a new book out, The Second Chance on Cypress Lane. You want to tell everybody why they should run Grab It? (laughs) Um, Second Chance on Cypress Lane is about uh, a rising star reporter who inadvertently gets caught up in an international scandal, loses her career, and has to return home with her tail between her legs where she eats lots of lemon meringue pie and and tries to avoid (laughs) the man who broke her heart years ago. And so um, it's such a fun second chance romance with lots of uh, family drama and lots of friendship. Uh, Friendships, a really strong uh, female friendship, which I love, um, and just lots of fun kind of quirky characters, and you get to know the town itself. So it was so fun writing. (laughs) And uh, whenever I see reporters as heroes or heroines, I always have to ask, were you ever interested (laughs) in journalism? What was your life before you were a fiction writer? (laughs) Were you into that? (laughs) I was interested, but no, I did not do anything related to journalism. So, yeah, I do – I don't know why, like, journalism and marketing professions keep coming up. <laughs> so much of my heroine. I've had so it's many like everything we were going to be, we give it to them. <laughs> there you go, right? So, like, marketing, PR-related stuff, I think this is probably the first person who's actually in a, a reporter that I've had as a um, character. But there's been lots of uh, marketing, PR, branding strategies, that kind of thing. <laughs> so. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the things we wish we were good at. <laughs> mm, but, but my past life does come up in the fact that, you know, I worked in nonprofits for many years. Oh, okay. And so um, often you will have someone who, a character who is, works in nonprofit. As a matter of fact, I was in a man for a while in nonprofit, and one of my earlier characters is <laughs> a man at a nonprofit. <laughs> and a lot of times heroes might own, you know, or the families in the books might own a foundation or something of that nature. So, yeah, that comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you write what you know, and, you know, that's easier than researching neurosurgery, right? Every time I give them yeah. something I know nothing about, I'm like, why do I do this? <laughs> I know, I know. But I, the weird, the funny thing is one of the things that I did before I became um, a fiction writer is, I did a lot of freelance copywriting. And so I did do a lot of work where I had to do complete research on all kinds of topics, Um, you know, for a person who uh, did garage organization, for a person who ran a karate uh, studio, for, you know, people who were change management Consultants, that kind of so just all sorts of topics, yoga, you know, just that I got a chance to just delve into, and so like all of those things get a chance to to have a new life in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I love that that I that I give to my characters. So I think that readers don't always realize how hard it is for fiction writers to come up with jobs for people. To, you know, come up with what's their career going to be. And so it's great that you have so much knowledge about, you know, all these different fields they could possibly be in. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah, because it, it, that really is something, especially because I do tend to um, write about, uh, like, the career of my characters plays kind of a big role in a lot of my stories. A lot of the stories have a lot of uh, business or career issues and you spend a little time with the characters on their job or in a project that they're doing and stuff. So, yeah, it definitely helps to know a little bit more about that stuff. And like you say, when it's something you don't know, you could end up making inadvertently giving yourself a whole lot of extra work. (laughs) Right, exactly. So much research. (laughs) So is Second Chance on Cypress Lane part of a series? Will there be more books? Absolutely. It's part of my new Holly Grove Island series with Grand Central Forever, my first book with them. And it is a diverse own voices series set in North Carolina's Outer Banks. And it features family drama, revealed secrets, and real life issues. So um, I'm working on the second book in that series right now. It's going to be called Return to Hummingbird Way. And uh, it's going to feature the best friend character that's in um, Second Chance of Cypress Lane, uh, Sinclair Buchanan, who was, I was excited that a lot of readers were excited for her story. So her story is happening next. <laughs> oh, very cool. And my, my husband is uh, from North Carolina. And for a short while, he lived on the Outer Banks. And, and that is, the Outer Banks is like its own, its own kind of place. They're way out there yeah. and watch out for hurricanes and <laughs> yes, I mean, and then there's, there's just so many wonderful things about it too. I mean, that's one of the things that's cool about North Carolina period is that 
you know, I live in central North Carolina in a suburb of Raleigh. And so, um, you know, just a few hours away to the east, you have the beach. And just a few hours to the west, you have the mountains. And so there's so much that you can do. So I've brought in both of those things in stories. So I've written before a story that, like, a lot of it's set in Asheville. And I'm doing another story Mm -hmm. that's coming out later this year that's also set in Asheville. So um, whenever I can, I'm, I'm writing stories about North Carolina, it seems. Oh, well, that's cool. Your home turf. <laughs> right. And But my first series was where I'm originally from, and that is Cleveland. So that series was set in oh. uh, Cleveland, Ohio. But ever since then, it seems like most of them have been set in, the, North in Carolina. the South or in some place I'm, um, you know, connected to. It, uh, the Bourbon Brothers series um, that uh, is not set in North Carolina, but it's set in Tennessee, and that's where my mother family hails from. Oh, very <laughs> cool. Oh, I love that. Are all of your books contemporary romance? Are there other genres that you've written in or you want to write in? There, So far, everything has been contemporary romance. And I do have other genres I want to write in. So I have a, um, a contemporary, like a romantic thriller uh, series that I want to do so badly, oh. but it's just oh. like a matter of finding the time to fit that in. <laughs> so like for right. like five years, I've been sitting on two series that I'm anxious to do. And one is the romantic uh, thriller series. And the other one is a historical series set during the Harlem oh. Renaissance. So both of those I really, really, really want to get to, but it's just a matter of like trying to get everything else taken care of and out of the way. So who knows when those will come up? Uh, I hope to be able to work on at least one of them later this year. So you never yes, know. I totally get that. We have so many ideas and so little time. And all of us who yes. are are friends with Reese and write with her know about these deadlines are crazy. So it, it, it we do have so many ideas and we just need more time. One more day in the week. Yes. Yes. That would be so nice. <laughs> so. Everybody always wants to know what your writing journey looked like. So, I mean, did you always want to be a writer? Did you read a lot and then decide to write? How did it all fall into place for you? How did you get published? So I did want to be a writer since I was a little kid. (laughs) Um, The book that made me want to become a writer was uh, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. I was already a big reader. Before then, um, and you know, me and my friends, we were big readers. We went to the library, took out all the, as many books as they would let us check out, read, the, read them all, and would return and do it all again, you know. And so right. I'm still friends with most of them. As a matter of fact, some of them I've known since preschool. <laughs> and, oh, I love um, that. So, <laughs> so that, you know, how I, I started my love of, of, story t- of story themselves. And so then that book made me want to become a storyteller. Um, and so I didn't, you know, really pursue writing as a career or anything. It wasn't until, oh, maybe my late 30s that I came back to um, being interested in writing seriously again. So um, my first book uh, was published by Karina Press, a digital first imprint of Harlequin in 2013 two books I had published that year, and then later on I went to move on to other imprints of Harlequin, um, Kamani Romance, which was their African-American line that's since closed, and then I currently write for Harlequin Desire, and then I also write for Grand Central Forever. 
Love it. And when for the for the people listening who are thinking about writing and all that kind of thing, how long did it take you from the time you wrote your first, you know, the end to finally getting <laughs> that published? Because I think people don't think about how long because writing is a craft and you learn it as you go. So you rewrite and you rewrite. And how long did it take you once you had, you know, a full book to finally get that published? Excellent question. Okay, so 2013 is when the first book was published, July 2013. And I know that I started trying to write um, seriously before I moved here to North Carolina in 2009. So maybe like Mm -hmm. 2008 or something is when I started to really um, look at trying to to write and stuff. Um, So probably between 2008 in 2012, maybe like four years or so, is probably how long it took me to start writing and then, you know, start submitting before I was actually right. um, published. Yep. And it took me a while to actually hit the end because at first I just kept right. starting the stories but not finishing them right. So I, got, not I even still yes. have some half-finished stories I would love to go back and finish at some point in my life. <laughs> right, right. But... Yeah, so even that took a while. And so actually, you know, what the workshop, I'm, I'm actually talking about that experience in this, I'm typing emails for a workshop I'm doing this week. <laughs> and that's one of the things I talk about is is not being able to get to the end for a long time and some of the reasons why. So. <laughs> right, right. And we've been talking a little bit, I mean, you've mentioned it a couple times, too, about own voices and Kamani romance and all that kind of thing. And I know RWA had all these issues, too, but romance, I feel like, is like a microcosm of, you know, our whole country of figuring out, you know, how do we, how do we do better? And so I wanted to ask you about, you know, people talk about representation matters and I feel like we're trying so hard to do better. And what do you, you, are you encouraged right now? Do you feel like we're getting better about publishing, you know, showing the actual characters that are people around us, right? I I am feeling better in some ways. (laughs) Like for instance, um, I am very, very proud of both of the, um, publishers that I write for in terms of um, the Harlequin Desire imprint is probably one of the most diverse imprints out there right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, if there is one and their covers diverse, are I can't think amazing. Of right off the yeah. And, and, when, and it's not just white and black even, you know, you have, you know, Native American representation with Robin Cuppinson and, um, you know, you have, and Asian uh, characters Asian on representation. Covers now, too. Yes. Yeah. You know, exactly. So I am so excited by seeing all of that and some just really wonderful authors who are who are coming through. Um, every time I look up, <laughs> there's some new amazing right. author. Um, Adriana Halera is going to be doing, um, I believe, uh, Dominican characters um, for Harlequin Desire. So just 
they've just got the whole gamut, and the covers are so amazing uh, with these mm-hmm. books as well as the stories themselves. So I'm super excited about that. And then on the other side, Grand Central Forever has been buying recently all of these uh, diverse small town series. They bought one by, by a, a friend author, uh, Cheryl Lister, um, and some other authors as well. Recently I'm hearing that or I'm seeing the, the news that they bought stories from them. So I am very encouraged by that. So, um, but at the same time, yes, you always run into some foolishness. <laughs> right, right. There is always you foolishness. Just wanna, but... you know, <laughs> right. So, yes, several steps forward, and then, of course, there's always the obligatory steps backwards. But, um, yeah, right. I am I am encouraged by what I'm, I am seeing, but it's definitely one of those things where you cannot let your guard down and think, okay, everything is blissful and wonderful now because, you know, publishing the books is one thing, putting the money behind Diverse books is a different thing. Right. And I think you see that when you do put money behind them, like uh, Farrah Rashawn's uh, The Boyfriend Project, mm-hmm. that you see great right. results. You know, so mm-hmm. that's one of the things, too. I think, for instance, even in the uh, closure of, of, of past lines, like Kamani, you know, um, yes, writing is a business. And so if you're not, don't feel like you're getting the sales or the return on investment, it's a business decision to close it. But at the same time, you get what you put into stuff. So if you only exactly. market this particular line to these this group, small group of people here, and then you're saying, okay, I didn't make enough money, well, you didn't really give it a chance because right. you didn't you didn't market it market to everyone in the first place. <laughs> right. Right. So yes, am I am I happy about a lot of things? Absolutely. Am I just still like giving the side eye on some stuff? Sure. <laughs> you know, some things deserve some side eye. <laughs> some things do. <laughs> but I'm highly encouraged by all the books and covers and things, you know, where because I feel like the younger generation, like you think about, you know, going to the library. And when I was a kid and you're going to the library, there were not. I don't remember books that had diverse characters on the cover ever. And, and so I feel like for the next generation, there will be girls who pick up a book and go, Hey, she's just like me, you know? And I think that that matters. So that end of it, I hope we're doing better for the next generation so that they don't continue our, (laughs) our messes. No, you saying that makes me think of a really important story as well for my for me. Um, so, like you, mm-hmm. you're saying that as a white author, right? But right, right. As a black kid growing up in a black neighborhood who went to the library mm-hmm. all the time, I didn't see right a lot of black books. I was reading, you know, I still love Judy Bloom. I was reading Julie, Judy Judy right. Bloom and Paula Dinn. Yeah, Dinn I read and, Judy Bloom and all yeah. Beverly Cleary and all of those people. That's Beverly great. Cleary, but yeah. I didn't see a lot of books that had people like me on them. And the reason is because right. I was looking in the young, you know, the children's section or the, the teen mm-hmm. section or whatever, I wasn't going specifically to an African-American section of the library. So, you know, even that. So even And, and so I also, in the beginning, had that kind of thought process of, oh, you know, I'm just looking for good books. You know, a lot of people tell themselves that. I'm just looking for good books. I don't have to look for a diverse book. But even as a black person, it wasn't until I really yeah. became aware of the fact that I was mostly, because I was really into chiclet at the time, that when I started right. reading fiction a, a lot again as an adult, 
And I was really mm-hmm. realizing that I was reading pretty much all white authors because I was reading mostly, um, you know, uh, chiclet or whatever. And so there wasn't a lot of representation right. there. And that's, and so what, they put, yeah, that's I be- what they put out became aware of it, I started to seek out other authors, and I started to discover all these amazing black authors. So, um, again, so for people who think, oh, I'll just find some good books, if, you know, if there's a good book, I'll just find it, that's not true. So I'm just going to tell you, you're right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, and, and I hope that heart. that's Bless slowly heart. changing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> But I feel like we're on the cusp of changing that, which I think is really exciting, you know, that you can go see the Boyfriend Project, and it's not in a special section. It's in the good books section, right? Absolutely. That's that's what needs to happen. It it doesn't, yeah. So I'm I'm very encouraged that way. I know we still have a long way Mm -hmm. to go, but but, um, I'm glad that, you know, Geez, our world is so colorful. <laughs> so should our books, right? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I, I, I absolutely feel that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you because I'm asking everyone this month. Do you have um, Valentine's traditions? Do you have any cute romantic notions that you want to share? We've gotten some cool ideas this month from different authors. Do you have anything, you know, romancy that we could offer up to readers this month? I do not. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have. Oh, that's I okay. have nothing. All I all I know is food, right? <laughs> Is that mm-hmm. make good food? You know, if I, if we always look for like like things we like, and so and also I'm cheap. So <laughs> so our anniversary, my thirty, uh, uh, my thirty second anniversary was. Let's <laughs> think about it. Yeah, <laughs> our thirty second anniversary was the end of last month, and so we just had this great weekend where you know we ordered in all these great foods that we that we liked, um, which is the same kind of things I, I would do for Valentine's Day in a pandemic. And so we ordered right. things that we loved, like Caravas and stuff. We love the chicken brine at Caravas and stuff. And so I wanted mm-hmm. it again for, like, Valentine's Day weekend, but I'm like, I don't want to go and pay for it again. <laughs> so right. I actually got right. online, and I looked for the recipes, and there's, like, a chicken brine copycat recipe out there, several of them. And it was quite good. So I want to say it was amazing. Oh. <laughs> so that's uh-huh. my thing is like whatever I want is it's just finding amazing things to cook or bake at home. So I love to cook and to, to bake, you know, cookies and stuff like that. So that's that's my only thing. It's just I don't yeah, like, well, I love you know, like that. I definitely definitely don't go out to eat anymore. Not, I haven't been out to eat since February. I know, since the pandemic of, started. Of yeah. Year. Yes, of last year. So yeah. that's the last time I ate in a restaurant. Yep. Yeah, we're doing all takeout. That's my advice. Yeah. Pick up the internet. Yeah. Find you some food. Make it because if you can read, you can cook. And there you go. (laughs) Make something good. Make something good. So. Well, and I know, I know, because because we're friends, but you also found a cool way to watch concerts on at home without having to go. So that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that you could do that. And I just bought one for Valentine's Day weekend as well. So there was one on Saturday, um, our North Carolina symphony. There was one for Valentine's Day on Saturday. And so I was, and the thing is, in addition to uh, the concerts being broadcast on a private um, YouTube 
uh, page, uh, you get to watch them for up to 20 days afterwards. So um, even the one we bought for our anniversary weekend, the Tchaikovsky, um, or I'm sorry, the four seasons of Vivaldi's four seasons, um, we're still listening to that because we have until the 19th to, to watch and listen to it, and it's so amazing. It was so amazing. So, yes, I've been doing oh, that. I, I actually it. bought several other concerts because I loved it so much. And so we'll be we'll be seeing a lot of stuff coming up in the next months. Um, at home, still supporting our our local symphony. And yeah, I I and I'm not confined so to cool. my local symphony because if other symphonies are doing it, then I can mm-hmm. get you know tickets from great symphonies everywhere. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Well, and and I got to see my first opera at the New York Met during this pandemic because the Met has their own channel on Roku. They have their own Met channel on Roku. And so you can subscribe and watch anything of their old recordings. And it was so fantastic. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm at the Met. They have a Carmen Carmen up there that will knock your socks off. I was just like, wow. And I had no idea until the pandemic. So there are some good things to come out of this. There have been some good things that come out of it. I think that in a lot of ways we're finding ways to be more connected. Um, and it, it's it's been open to more people. Like, for instance, some of the readers' events I would go to, there are people who would never have been able to maybe go to one or afford to go to one. But right. now, you know, they have access now to that they're virtual. these reader events. Yes, yes. So definitely those have yeah, been some I love things that, that I hope too. will stay you know, going forward. So. Yeah, me too. I hope so. And um, before we run out of time, I want to tell everybody that you have a book coming up called Waking Up Married that has such a fantastic cover. I love the cover. Do you want to tell everybody about it? Because they can pre-order now, right? It comes out March 1st. They can absolutely pre-order. It's a best friends to lovers woke up in Vegas married marriage of convenience story (laughs) (laughs) from my bourbon brothers series and i'm so excited about the feedback i've been getting from this book people are loving these characters and the different take on the marriage of convenience and stuff and so it's been awesome it comes out march 1st and they're currently running a goodreads giveaway for the book make waking up married Oh, everyone go to Goodreads and enter that because people win those. I've had my readers win those before, and they're like, oh, my gosh, people actually win. (laughs) So go (laughs) enter. (laughs) (laughs) So so I also wanted to ask you what it's been like for you writing during the pandemic because it's been interesting. We write happily ever afters, which is kind of hard when the world is on fire. Um, so how has that been for you? Did you used to go to coffee shops and write or, you know, how, how are you dealing with writing during the pandemic? I was never a coffee. Well, let me, that's, that's, that's not correct. I would go to Panera's weekly and write with some other authors. I, I love to write at Panera. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I'm not a big fan of going to write to like a coffee shop by myself or whatever. I'm always paranoid that people are looking over my shoulder while I'm writing the sex scene. So <laughs> I don't <laughs> typically do that. <laughs> so thought, but it was very tough for me during the pandemic, especially when it first started. Like, I'm seeing yeah. these numbers of all these deaths, right? And and I'm a very empathetic right. person. It mm-hmm. was impossible for me to write 
in those first few months. So, like, maybe in the first three to four months, like, I mentally just creatively completely blocked. And then on top of that, I had the additional thing of helping out with my grandkids because their parents were essential workers and there was no school and just all this kind of stuff. So it's oh, just like yeah. my life has been in a complete upheaval for the last year. And so I'm just <laughs> like, uh, and that's one of the reasons why the deadline situations have been just com- compounded so terribly um, because right. everything that has been going, have been going on, you know, health issues, just all kind of stuff. And so I'm just slowly but surely trying to get back on track. I feel like I'm, I feel like it's light at the end of the tunnel now, finally. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, yes, but yes, it was very, very tough in the beginning um, because of just the headspace to write in the pandemic. Yeah, so. right, right. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, yep. for all the readers listening, readers really, for me anyway, pulled me through because they kept saying how they need books now more than ever. And it, yes. you know, it made me able to, to write. So if you're listening and you love your favorite author, send them a note and let them know, you know, that their books matter. Cause when the world's on fire, I get this voice in my head going, why are you doing this? What does this matter? How are you going to help? And, mm-hmm. and, and it's nice to yes. hear that, you know, books matter and they need them. I, I think that, yes. you know, makes a big difference when we Those go to the comments keyboard. just, they make my day, they make my week, they make my month. It's just <laughs> some of those comments, like a, a DM on Facebook or, or, or right. Instagram or something. Like, it, they just, it just makes my day. So, or, when, you know, somebody's saying something on Twitter, I'm just like, yes, this is the thing I need it. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, yes. That all makes so, them all so make if you're listening, different. don't hesitate to reach out to your favorite author because you never know your comment could be make their day and make all the difference to get that book done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. Before we run out of time, cause we're running out. Um, do you have any contests going or how do you like readers to get in touch with you? How, how can they connect? They can connect with me at my website, reeseryan.com. That's R-E-E-S as in Sam, E-R-Y-A-N.com, reeseryan.com. And then from, from there, you can find everything else because I am on Instagram and Twitter, and I have a fun Facebook, private Facebook group where other authors come and visit us often and things like that. So, um, yeah, they can reach me at all those places. As, and, of course, I'm on Goodreads and Book Club as well. Yay. Well, thanks so much for coming on today. We'll have to do this again because I could talk to you for an hour. So, <laughs> but thanks so much for giving us part of your day. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.